All right, after you, Melissa. Hi, and welcome to On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers. And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Today, we're gonna be talking about some of the current beverage alcohol trends and hot topics in the industry. That means we have a lot to get to, so let's jump right in with one of the biggest topics in beverage alcohol, which of course is hard seltzer. Right. As we have reported on and discussed here, you know, everyone knows hard seltzer has been growing at an insane pace in recent years. But, you know, recently some experts are saying that the party is over or at least winding way down. Um, In the news recently, Boston Beer, which is one of the hard seltzer giants with their Truly brand, um, they recorded a second second quarter profit decline and a sizable earnings miss, which, you know, they were saying was in large part because they'd overestimated the growth of the hard seltzer category in the quarter and also the demand for uh, their truly hard seltzer brand. And then around the same time, the news sort of came out quietly that Miller Coors was, um, they're killing their Coors seltzer, hard seltzer brand. Um, it's only been out, it's less than a year. I think it came out in, in last September. And they still have the Vizzy and the, the Topo Chico hard seltzer brands that they're going to focus on. And I guess those are doing well. But it was still kind of surprising that they weren't able to leverage the Coors brand for this. And also that they gave it so little time. So, I mean, what do you think is happening in the category right now, Kyle? And, and specifically, what's going on in the off-premise? Yeah, you know, it's interesting you said that maybe um, the party is over is uh, the phrase you use. I don't know if the party is over. I think Heart Seltzer still has a lot of room to grow, but perhaps what has happened is that uh, there are now way more guests at the party than perhaps people realized were invited or anticipated being invited. I just think there's so many- crashers, you mean? (laughs) (laughs) Some party crashers, some people rolling in who maybe did not get the invite to, or even people who RSVP'd as no and showed up anyways. Well, Um, I should add that I think it was a CNN- online headline that said the hard seltzer party is is over and certainly that got me reading it but um <laughs> those are their words so cnn using a uh, uh clickbait headline you don't say <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah but I, I don't think the party's over i think the party's just getting started but so many people have been invited it's it's curious to see who will be able to maintain share and you know that i think the news of um i'm sorry you said miller cores was it who uh, canceled their hard seltzer they canceled their Coors hard seltzer brand. So that, that's interesting because it, you know, that implies that they think that the main players have been established. But then again, you also said truly got crushed. And anyone who follows the stock market also saw that Sam Adams stock got crushed. So that had run up a lot. Um, yeah, I, I just think that the, the penetration has been accomplished by the big brands. And now some of the smaller brands are starting to eat into that a little bit. You know, I even read that White Claw came down a little bit as well. But I mean, it, you know, that's not a surprise because they just cannibalized, cannibalized, not the right word. They just took up so much of the market that they had nowhere, almost nowhere to go but down. Yet at the same time, it's not like the category is running out of steam. This isn't like a couple of years ago when we had all of those hard sodas, not your, uh, not your father's um, 
uh, sodas uh, brand, not your soda, father's, what is it? The root beer. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. The root beer. <laughs> I mean, those spiked and came crashing down. These aren't going to come crashing down. The, the, the category has been established. And I think one of the most important things driving, well, there's two things very important that are driving this category. First of all, a lot of people drank these products during COVID. Uh, during the COVID shutdowns were when a lot of people had their first hard seltzers, their first RTDs, their first canned cocktails. Um, and like some of the uh, COVID-19 trends, such as e-commerce, I, I don't think these are going to go away as the pandemic inevitably fades down here. I actually think that the momentum is going to continue now that people have realized that you can get quality, low uh, alcohol, low ABV products like this in a can that are convenient. The other thing really important here is I, I think the younger LDA consumers have really grasped onto hard seltzers. Um, I'll even tell you, uh, based on example, I went camping about a month ago with about 40 or 50 people. One of my good friends organizes a big camp out every single summer. It's his big camping, a uh, big summer tradition. Uh, I think I was the only person there. Uh, there was a ton of Gen Z and a ton of younger millennials. And, you know, me, old man millennial over there, be, again, probably being the oldest person there, I, I took note of what everybody was drinking. Uh, the the L, younger LDA consumers were drinking entirely White Claw and high-end craft beer, but it was a lot of White Claw. I mean, to a person, man, woman, everyone was drinking White Claw. And, you know, I, I had this great quote here in the article I wrote recently about these big alcohol trends. Keep an eye out for the July-August issue of Beverage Dynamics magazine. A gentleman by the name of James Pellegrini, who is a part of Goat Rodeo capital, they invest in up and coming alcohol brands. He points out, we always look at what trends younger consumers adopt as they age into the space because they usually ride those trends for a while. Who captures the consumers as they're entering the LDA stage? Right now, that's hard seltzers and RTDs. And I think he's right. Yeah, I, I believe when they were talking about the second quarter results, um, Boston Beer was saying that one of the issues was that sort of period of trial is over. You know, everybody's pretty much had a hard seltzer. Um, so, you know, they're either going to stick with it like a lot of people are, or maybe move on to something else. Um, it's also, as you mentioned, it was a big off-premise thing because everything was last year. Um, but as the on-premise is opening up, hard seltzer some of that consumption is is shifting to the on-premise and that's that's kind of tricky just because there's so many brands and there's so little space you know I think truly was um pretty early in, in getting on a lot of the the taps with some of their hard seltzers but you know you can you're only going to devote so many tap lines to it or you know space for the cans or bottles so I I think that how people consume it on premise is also going to be an issue. Um, I just heard about it, the Kimpton Hotel, the Kimpton Gray Hotel in Chicago has a summer pop-up bar called the Seltzer Shop. You know, it's going to let's guess sip. I think it's 13 different brands and more than 25 flavors of hard seltzer. So I thought that was kind of fun. And uh, I also read somewhere else that black cherry is the top flavor on-premise followed by mango and also the citrus flavors are declining you know pretty much across the board so i think maybe that's just a little too much like having a vodka soda with lime you know it's just it's just too easy too basic they need 
um, people seek out slightly more exotic flavors. And then you also have like lemonade flavored hard seltzer and iced tea flavored hard seltzer as opposed to just hard lemonade or hard iced tea. So those are getting more into like ready to drinks, which speaking of RTDs, I, I really don't know how those are going to fit into on-premise strategy, but it kind of like the hard seltzers, there's already just too many, you know, from the big national brands down to craft distillers and, and even local mixologists that are, are starting to can, you know, some of their specialty cocktails and classics. And what do you see happening with RTDs at the retail level? Uh, before we get into the retail level, I just want to ask you one question uh, that I've been having about on-premise with RTDs and hard seltzers. Are we ever going to see these kegged in on tap? Um, you might, but I think if people are going to, people are already kegging their own cocktail batches. So, um, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I'm going to say it's not going to be that prevalent, but I also didn't see hard seltzer really taking off on premise. So what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, you know, off-premise, the, the thing with RTDs, you know, obviously booming category, continuing to grow, one of the hottest categories there is right now. Uh, my one concern with the off-premise RTDs and, you know, Sam Adams in their earnings report even went into this when they were talking about uh, why Truly fell a little bit or maybe more than a little bit, uh, is that there's such a gray area in hard seltzer and RTDs now. What is an RTD anymore? You know, you have hard seltzers claiming they're RTDs. You have vodka-based RTDs. You have tequila-based RTDs. You have wine-based RTDs. Now, the category has really no hard definitions around what is and isn't an RTD or what are the different segments within RTDs. And because of that, there's a lot of consumer confusion. I, I don't think consumers really have a grasp on what is what within the category right now. So that means there's wild experimentation all over the map. I mean, other, maybe other than White Claw, which again, I think is in a little bit of decline, Consumers are drinking everything. And again, everybody's putting out a hard seltzer or an RTD or both or claiming their hard seltzer is an RTD. So you have just this wild expansion of flavors and brands right now. It's almost kind of reminiscent of uh, craft beer. And when we had that craft beer explosion, maybe about a decade ago, and you know, ultimately one of the things that helped crap cool down craft beer's growth was just too much innovation, too many choices. So yeah, I wonder if that's where we're heading with RTDs and hard seltzers. We're still in boom times, certainly, but at some point, the enormous amount of choices and the complete lack of definition and all this gray area within them uh, could certainly damper the category a couple of years from now. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's just, um, there's only so many things you can drink. <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's a lot. And I understand hard seltzers taking away from beer and wine, you know, spirits still rule. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's like hard kombucha. It's like, I don't know where you fit into this whole thing. You know, <laughs> It's like, there are just too many options and too many. Hard kombuchas are uh, looking on from the outside, knocking on the window saying, Hey, can I come join the party? Yeah, it's getting lined. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like there, there's there's got to be someone's got to make room for for 
other things to come in. And I just yeah. don't know. The consumer is just overwhelmed. Yeah. And you know, every craft brewer I know, and I'm friends with pretty much all the craft brewers in Connecticut where I live, every craft brewer, and you know, nationally as well, they're all making their own hard seltzers now. You know, you don't even have to look that far to get a, a craft hard seltzer. You drive down the street and I have three breweries within, you know, a 15 minute drive of me making their own craft hard seltzers. So it's just, there's, there, there's so much going into the category now. I mean, you'd be stupid if you didn't brew one as a brewer right now. So I, it'll be interesting to see what happens, whether there's a washout in all of this, which is probably likely the case because this is what happens when it, every other category sees a wave of too much innovation. Uh, one other threat to RTDs and hard seltzers, and it's another broad trend that we want to talk about because it certainly affects more than just RTDs and hard seltzers. In fact, it's affecting the entire category, and it, frankly, it's affecting the entire world, but that's the product shortages, or specifically the shortages of glass and aluminum, which has been affecting this uh, industry ever since COVID roiled the world's shipping networks. Um, everyone's having this problem. Uh, every company I've talked to is having this problem, getting their hands on enough aluminum, getting their hands on enough glass. You know, obviously it's not just alcohol, it's, it's everything. Good luck trying to buy anything for your house right now. You know, there's a reason lumber prices have tripled uh, in the mm -hmm. last six months. Just the, the shipping networks have been completely set back. And every time I talk to an insider about when they think this is going to clear up, uh, they just push the goalpost back farther and farther. You know, originally people were saying, maybe Q2 of this year. Now I'm hearing maybe Q2 of next year. Now I'm hearing we have no friggin' idea. So, you know, who the hell knows when this is going to clear up? Yeah. I wonder if that will like spur innovation in some of the um, categories like with the box wine or the, the Tetra packs or things like that. I definitely think it will. Yeah. It should, unless you can't get the materials for those, and then <laughs> that could be a problem. We're going to be drinking alcohol out of our hands. Just pour it, cup, cup your hands, pour it in, we'll, we'll sip it up. Um, speaking of sipping it up, I think we should probably talk about one of your favorites, the American whiskey category, which is still, uh, still well in, into the party. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're still having uh, appetizers in the American uh, spirit, American brown spirits uh, party. And, and, you know, honestly, I used to think that the brown spirits boom that we're currently in was in the middle innings, you know, the fourth or fifth inning. But then I, I apologize to anybody who's heard me say this analogy before, but I went to Louisville um, 24 hours after my second Pfizer dose. Um, after two weeks after my second Pfizer dose, <laughs> say. 24 hours after that, excuse me, I was properly, nice proper one. amount of time. <laughs> Safety first. That's right. Safety first, everybody. Um, got in a plane, went to Louisville and toured all of the distilleries there. And, you know, now I think that we're still in the early innings of this boom. Every single distillery in Louisville, or I should say all of the major ones, or even the minor ones, are significantly increasing the size of their uh, tourism spaces. And, and they're significantly increasing their production. I mean, Buffalo Trace quadrupled the size of its visitor center and doubled the size of its production. You know, Heaven Hill just opened a new multi-multi-million dollar uh, visitor center. It's reminiscent out of something out of Epcot. It's two floors. It's got moving screens. It's got a make-your-own-whiskey uh, part of it. The upstairs looks like a country club, clearly with the idea of hosting weddings and other large events. I, I do not think we have any sort of danger of running out of demand right now in American whiskey. It still seems like they cannot make enough of it. Certainly some brands aren't going to win, but the brands that are putting out high quality stuff, they're winning. You, you see it, go to any package store right now, any liquor store, and the really good brands are in hard, hard to find. Or, you know, 
even, you know, obviously the really um, uh, trendy ones like Buffalo Trace, you can't find them. But even the ones that are the next level down, there's only a couple of bottles of them on the shelf. It's not like the old days where you'd see 12 bottles of Michter's Sour Mash on the shelf. Now maybe you'll see one. You know, so I, I don't see any end of the American whiskey boom. I, I imagine this is obviously affecting on-premise as well. Right, right. Um, it, you know, I kind of wonder, the old-timey or classic whiskey cocktails have been so popular, especially the old-fashioned things like the Manhattan. Um, but I, I sort of wonder what's next. I mean, you, you can make some amazing cocktails with whiskey, but... People are always chasing something different. And I, I keep talking about the return of, not the return of, because it never went away, but like tiki drinks and something super exotic and completely different than, you know, like a bourbon, you know, very classic. I don't know what um, I would do with myself if tiki drinks went away. I know. They, they won't. But I guess also it's sort of a roaring 20s, you know, back from, uh, hopefully, back from COVID. Mm. Um, but... In terms of whiskey, it, one of the, the hottest things is peach whiskey, especially, you know, they're saying that Crown Royal in particular was like one of the white whales. You just couldn't get it. And there's, I forget the other, another big brand. Um, our research was just showing that was one of their most popular new products on premise. Um, so I know some purists, perhaps like yourself, don't consider that whiskey. Um, and, and I think they are often classified as liqueurs um, just because of the alcohol level or, or the way they're made. But um, I, you know, we're, we're seeing more of those starting to heat up with things like screwball, the peanut butter yeah. whiskey, a lot of uh, those sort of desserty flavors that, that were popping up with the vodka category a couple yeah. of years ago. Like I just saw caramel turtle and things like that. By the way, um, purist. Are you trying to say I'm a snob? Is that what you're trying to say? Um, some say purist, some <laughs> say snob. I don't know. <laughs> I get so many people call me a snob, especially around my circles here, my friendship circles here in Connecticut. I've taken to wearing a yingling hat and I don't want to make any kind of criticism against yingling. I love yingling. Shout out to yingling. They're not a sponsor of this podcast. They're delicious. Delicious beer. I'm just saying. Yeah, this. I like them too. But I've been wearing a yingling hat just so people feel like I'm less snobbish. It's like, yeah, people, I like good stuff, but I like normal stuff too. Not that yingling's not good stuff. It's delicious stuff. <laughs> but, which is also to say. You got to get a new hat. I, I know. Seriously. Yingling's never going to send me. In. Uh, thank you, yingling, for the hat. They're never going to send me any swag again. Um, I was going to say, oh, the, the flavored whiskeys are delicious. Screwball's delicious. I actually have a distinct memory of the first time I drank Screwball. It was at a food and drink festival. Remember those? Uh, right before COVID-19 hit. That's probably the last, no, that's not true. One of the last food and drink festivals I went to at, uh, it was at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut. Uh, Screwball was there uh, and they were pouring and the line for Screwball was the longest line in the entire exhibition center. So, you know, it, it's a good example of something that crosses demos, Screwball, and just those flavored whiskeys in general. They're good straight. They're good with ice. They're good in cocktails. I mean, who doesn't like those? Even yeah, I, <laughs> I did just get some interesting fall cocktails that used um, screwball that sound really nice. I wasn't quite ready to be receiving fall cocktail things and pumpkin spice and all that, but I guess it's getting to be that time. So It's incredible. I just saw online the other day, a great, great beer writer, Lou Bryson, was celebrating that um, Sierra Nevada's Oktoberfest was shipping soon. I was like, really? 
or not even in August yet, but I, I guess I'm kind of ready for it. I mean, August is kind of getting towards fall a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it is getting to be that time. Well, we have only touched on really a few of the trends, but there's so much more to say that um, perhaps we should save it for another episode of On and Off. Yeah, let's, let's consider this part one of uh, perhaps a two-part podcast on uh, trends. I know we also wanted to talk about some other things such as uh, celebrity brands and the better for you, quote unquote, drinking trend. So I think maybe those will be uh, topics for another podcast. Yes. And you won't want to miss them. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of On and Off. Yes. And whether you're a alcohol purist or just a normal drinker, uh, please do join us next time. We'll be talking about some of those other topics we just mentioned in the retail and restaurant world. And until then, cheers. Kyle will define normal drinker. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>